The conventions are over, so bring on the polls. This time on Poll Hub, what difference did the quadrennial partisan festivals make? Depends on which poll you look at. So we're going to look at a bunch of them. Then we're honored to be one of a handful of polls being used to determine which candidates make it to the presidential debates this fall. But we still don't necessarily think it's a good idea to use polls this way. So we'll talk about it. So let's get to it. And hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper, Director of Innovation here at the Marist Poll. And I'm Barbara Carvalho, Director of the Marist Poll. And I am Lee Marengoff, Director of Marist College Institute for Public Opinion. So now that we're past the conventions, which were back to back, kind of rare and made for an interesting polling experience because you had the Democrats and the Republicans immediately. So everybody got into the field to, to get polling. There are a lot of polls out there. And before we talk about any individual one, I just want to kind of lay the groundwork here, the foundation that in the poll averages, which there's real clear politics and there's 538 or the two biggest averages, not very much has changed from before the conventions. So I just want to kind of set the stage there before we talk about individual polls, but different polls are showing different things, right? Yeah, and, and, and I would just comment to say, from a numbers standpoint, it's as, almost as if the conventions not only were virtual, but they actually were, didn't exist altogether. Um, and, and I think that, uh, yeah, as you say, there are some differences. And I think we should dig down into those because I think there was a sense um, just coming out of the convention that the pendulum had swung in Trump's direction, which it may have a tiny bit. But the word bounce, I think, is a great over-exaggeration. Strategically, we can talk also about whether we think the conventions accomplished things from a messaging standpoint uh, that they want to do. That being different from having caused a big uh, change in the numbers. I didn't see it. I don't think Barb, you saw anything like that. Well, before, you know, before we just get into all the numbers, because you're right, Jay, what a slew of polls that were out this week. Usually uh, Labor Day is the traditional start of the general election. And, uh, you know, these are all pre-Labor Day, post-convention polls. And I think everybody but us, we actually felt a little left out. Uh, hadn't uh, Saving the best for last. Of course, of course. But I was just, before, you, before we marched on to uh, the, the bounce or non-bounce, um, do you think the fact that these uh, conventions were virtual helped or hurt the proverbial uh, bounce? The pause here is, as Jay and I are both, uh, point, I, I would say, I would say no. You, you get that one, Lee. I would say, I would say no, uh, because the bounces have been vanishing over time. Uh, and I think they're a factor or the absence of the polar, you know, the polarization causes the absence. There are not a lot of voters who are, you know, shopping for a candidate at this point. Um, I think the people who like the Democrats watch the Democratic convention, the people who like the Republicans like to watch the Republican convention. And then there's a group who just, you know, people like us who like to watch stuff. Um, so I, I think that, it, you know, they, there was not that um, big up in the air group of voters who needed to be, you know, convinced or, or, or persuaded. Right. So, think... so bounces have gone away uh, for, you know, some time. I'm not sure the virtual uh, 
convention is is an excuse uh, for the absence or explains the absence. Yeah, I think this is a bad year to determine whether a virtual convention <laughs> is a good or a bad idea. But a couple of these polls, let's mention a couple of them. So Morning Consult and uh, Yahoo News, uh, YouGov, both said that Biden's lead went down a, a fairly significant amount, six points. And they were the first ones out. They were the first ones out. Uh, University of Cal Southern California poll, which has a whole, from 2016, a whole different backstory, showed Biden's lead increased. Emerson has Biden at 49, Trump at 47, which is about the closest anybody's seen. The Democracy Institute poll, which got a big play in a conservative newspaper in the UK, has Trump winning 48 to 45. There's really no other poll that shows that in a bunch of state polls. But again, the, the RCP, Real Clear Poll, uh, real clear politics poll average and 538 their average essentially there was no movement or incredibly small movement you suggested perhaps uh, Lee a little bit of a move towards Trump but in these averages of all these polls Trump came in behind by four five six seven eight points and he left down by four five six seven eight points maybe even more yeah so yeah and, and, and I think we should look at some of these polls uh, because what happened then a little bit longer as the, on the clock was a lot of the live interviewer high quality polls stepped in and that took away whatever little blip there was. But I, I just want to take a stab at one. Um, I mean, I think people have talked and we have about the Rasmussen poll and uh, that's not one that's highly regarded. The Emerson poll, because on occasion they quote, get it right which uh, is the old, you know, the clock tells the right time twice a day. Kind Stop of. clock, yeah. Stop clock tells the right <laughs> My clock, oh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Apparently, Lee's only tells the correct time no one, twice no one a day. I remember where I should be on time. But the, um, but the Emerson two points, okay, if you look down into the numbers, look into the cross tab in that, uh, it becomes very less believable or nutty, if you want to use the vernacular there. Yeah, the yeah our credibility suburbs. issues. The suburbs have... What, what are you talking, well, what are the you suburbs, talking about? Like? Biden up 16 points. In the cities, he's down two points. Um, he's Ooh. up two overall, but he's up 14 among people who are over 65. So, you know, oh, and... and you're suggesting well, it, it adds up to 100, but it doesn't make much sense. Um, and then you have, you know, the, the, the Midwest and the South are better uh, for him than the North, for Biden, for Biden. and the Northeast. So enough said. Um, you know, sometimes these things have to, you know, pass the so-called smell test. And there's a lot, of, a lot of numbers in a lot of polls and, you know, you know, what are you going to believe, your own eyes or what the pollster tells you? Yeah, and I think that that is difficult. And you mentioned the fact that there is uh, a host of different methodologies. Everybody pretty much came out after the conventions. The first ones were Morning Consult uh, and you, Yahoo, uh, YouGov. Boy, that's a tough one. The Yayas. Um, and uh, the Yayas. <laughs> They're not going to appreciate that. Probably not, but hey, they put their names together. I didn't know it. <laughs> uh, but those are both, uh, you know, both online efforts uh, uh, using panels. So they were the, you know, the first out of the, out of the starting gate. Um, and I think those are the two that also did show a, a slight move to the president. Um, although 
it's not uncommon uh, for online polls to, uh, to show that, particularly when there's a fast turnaround. Um, when they have a little bit longer time, a little bit longer field time to have people respond, they can become a little bit more representative because we know that people who are online all the time aren't the same as people who only come on every now and then. Um, but then there's a whole slew of, of polls that came out that are uh, from the, uh, the you know, live interviewer uh, group of, of polling, including the Fox poll. They, did, they actually did um, a number of states. So they did Arizona, North Carolina, uh, and Wisconsin, and um, actually didn't show much of a difference from what we had shown, at least in Arizona and North Carolina, from just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, were, were you guys surprised that the state stuff stayed as steady as the, um, as, as the national polls did? Uh, not really, because if the, I think the national polls are reflecting state polls, maybe in a way that in 2016 was less the case. We've seen consistently in the good quality state polls throughout this cycle, throughout 2020, we've seen the good quality polls in the states reflecting the national polls in a way that I don't think we saw in 2016 or we didn't have good quality polls in 2016. So kudos for Fox getting into these states that are so important now uh, and to see that. I have a slightly different question though, which is regardless of what the actual, the good polls are showing, is this useful to either candidate for the narrative to be, oh, the race is tightening, even if it's not tightening, if Trump goes out or Biden goes out every day and says it's tightening, does it actually help either one of them or both of them? Well, it keeps the fundraising uh, very robust, uh, for, for, for lack of another thing. Um, and I, I think, you know, the Democrats are worried a little bit about complacency. They've been known to uh, measure the drapes in the White House uh, too soon, too often. Uh, I think Donald Trump is setting up the scenario that, uh, you know, regardless of the outcome, which he's sort of already intimated or said that, uh, that you know, he's going to win, <laughs> you know, and he is, you know, he is reelected. Um, so I think uh, both of them sort of claiming that is not surprising because they are all about motivating their bases. The fact that it gets closer does not move voters who are on the fence, that small, maybe 10%, but it does keep the base intact. And as I say, if you're into fundraising, nothing like a, you know, your supporters feeling that this is you know, not a runaway, because it isn't. I mean, it's, uh, we, we know that. Look, there are so few, there are so few voters that you know, are on the table to be swayed one way or the other. When we look at any of these polls, the undecided uh, number is you know, low single digits. Um, we ask another question, which is, um, adding to the undecided, which is whether people are likely to change their mind, um, you know, from the candidate that they already support. And we add all of that up and we just get to 10, maybe 11, 12% of, of voters. And that number is smaller when you look at likely voters. So it's all about turnout. It's all about getting uh, out, the, uh, out uh, the base for these candidates. I, I don't know if the race seeming close uh, makes as big a difference because you're either really enthusiastic and you love Donald Trump or you are really enthusiastic because you hate <laughs> Donald Trump. 
And, um, you know, both groups really want to, you know, voice their opinions um, on, on that. Uh, right now, it's still a referendum um, on the president. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that moves to other issues, particularly with the sense that there may be um, a vaccine around the corner, which the pandemic has certainly been an issue for the president. Um, four in 10, almost five in 10 voters in a number of these uh, you know, state polls and national polls showing that that's a very significant concern and people feeling that the president didn't step up. I think in the conventions also though, um, you know, I think the Democrats were trying to introduce their ticket it wasn't all about bashing Trump. It was also about telling us the character and qualities of Joe Biden and who Kamala Harris uh, is. Um, so I think that they probably did a good job doing that. Some of the polls had Biden's favorability up a little. Uh, and I think that that was indicative of that. I think the Republicans did a good job in introducing this new issue of law and order and crime and violence and all of those kinds of things. Uh, it, it seems to be um, not an effort to claim the economy, not an effort to redefine COVID-19, not an effort to redefine race relations, but to talk about riots and to pin that, um, that uh, event or the support of such on Joe Biden. I thought they did better than that, uh, better uh, doing that uh, than they certainly have in the past with Beijing Biden and Sleepy Joe and the Trojan horse and all those other things that they have called him. Um, whether that sticks or not, uh, you know, is, remains to be seen. I think I, it's, we're gonna, the debates are the next big events, I guess, coming up. And well, it's almost as if, I hate to say, it, these conventions probably didn't happen. Is that possible? Well, but hang on, let's, let's just look forward for just a moment. Okay, we had, we were inundated yeah. with polls this week. And this is not gonna be the last week that we're inundated with polls. Um, what should, I mean, this took, you know, this took quite a while to, you know, to dig all this up, you know, thank you, Amelia, um, and for us to go through all the methodology. Um, are there any, are there kind of any shortcuts um, to understanding uh, what's going on besides going to, you know, real clear and looking at the average? Um, anything that, you know, folks should be thinking about when they're looking at these uh, polls, some going one way, I'll give some you going the other. One quick take on that. And that is that, um, you know, likely voter models, which are now being used by most of the polls, typically show a Republican advantage slightly based on the demography of the Republican voters. Interestingly, in the Wisconsin, uh, North Carolina, Arizona polls that, that uh, Fox just did, um, there was, no difference, uh, one point difference, I think, in one of them, between likely and registered voters. That would work against the Republicans down the road if that pattern holds. I know that's what we're going to be looking at our polls, and poll watchers, I think, would be well advised to look at that, as they are about the upcoming debates, which are, of course, the, the, the big event. Uh, and, I, you know, the first one is September 29th. September, September 29th, yes. And, and I'm thinking that with the debates, um, the question becomes, um, you know, who is gonna be at the table? We know who the moderators are, but who's gonna be the candidates and the Commission on Presidential Elections establishes certain criteria. So let's go through that really quickly and then we're gonna talk about that. So 
to make it into the debates, you have to have uh, polls, you get picked as a poll, which has reliable frequency of polling and sample size uh, used by the polling organization, soundness of survey methodology employed by those organizations, and longevity and reputation of the polling organizations. Now, in the top, Jay pointed out that we were very pleased uh, to be the only college poll uh, teamed up with different media sources. There are a total of five groups that are going to be looked at to see if a candidate has 15% and other things like they're in enough states to win the 270 electoral votes kinds of criteria. But are those, you know, ABC, Washington Post, CNN, Fox, NBC, Wall Street Journal, and our partners with NPR, PBS, and Marist uh, were selected as the five to, um, to uh, be the determining factor as to who actually is going to be participating in these debates. The first one, uh, I believe Chris Walls will be moderating at the end of the month. Um, so we're pleased by that, um, but then the question is asked, and I think we probably have answers. We're not usually big fans of using polls as criteria, and we've actually avoided during primaries using toss-up questions for the purpose of not being included in those calculations. And I have some opinions on the difference between debates during primaries and debates during the general election, and I'm more comfortable with this, Barb, do you want to take a swing at why debates? Well, are a so couple of things. I mean, I think yeah. I think that um, you know when you're looking at the primary season, that's a time where there are a lot of folks who are up and coming within each of the parties, can throw their hat in the ring, um, and can campaign. Um, you know, do retail politics? Go to Iowa. Uh, go to New Hampshire, less so, but can you know can make a stab at a run, um, and at least. Uh, put uh, put their positions and policies uh, to the voters. And so one of the difficulties of having some sort of a cutoff at that point, and we've seen sure, it in the absolutely. last two cycles, where yeah, you just literally absolutely. have, you know, 20 odd candidates in these um, that have um, decided to uh, run for president in, in in the early states, both on the Republican and Democrat side. And so how do you figure out who is going, you know, who should be in a debate and who shouldn't be? Because there's a whole host of candidates that fall far below any kind of criteria that a poll can measure. Um, the difference in a general election is that there are also certain much larger criteria that a candidate needs to meet. For instance, you mentioned, Lee, that they need to be um, on the ballot in enough states to actually be able to um, win 270 electoral votes. Now, those who uh, support third party candidates uh, do speak to the fact that this certainly makes it very difficult to have um, any kind of candidacy from a third party. In fact, we call them third parties. Um, kind of pushing them aside from the Democrat and Republican in this country um, because it, we are really a, a two-party system and it's very structured um, against having that kind of free-for-all that we see um, in uh, other countries with uh, parliamentary uh, systems. So yes, the, the, the rules are stacked against um, third-party candidates, but in that sense, the, the overall criteria for participating in a presidential debate um, is something that has to be 
met with a very, very significant uh, support around the country. So doing polls and saying that uh, someone needs to have 15% support, um, I don't see as, um, as egregious because of the fact that the idea is that you do have a, a few number of candidates and in order to uh, be part of these debates and not to distract, um, I think a candidate does need to show that they have some broad-based uh, support across yeah. the country. And minor party candidates are not showing much in the state polls. Well, they have not now. I mean, not there this have year. been examples in the past. They have. I mean, there have been examples in the past. Uh, since certainly Perot yeah. during the the, sure. you know, the Clinton uh, Bush race in 1992 um, and 96 was well, very significant. John Anderson way back, way 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 back in the day. Um, but this time around, Americans are pretty divided between Trump and Biden, um, as they were between um, Clinton and Trump uh, four years ago. Um, although some of the um, Trump's win in a number of states, particularly Wisconsin, where he simply won by 23,000 votes, um, people have talked about the fact that even though the, the, can the minor party candidates that were on the ballot got single digits, they certainly could have uh, changed the outcome of, of content. But in this instance, 15% is a really, really, really steep uh, bar for uh, these, for these uh, third party candidacies. So we'll be watching the uh, debates, not for who gets in, because I think we know who's gonna get in, but for what perhaps they may do to the polls. And we'll talk about that on a future episode to be sure. For this edition, however, we're going to bring it to a close and thank Mary Griffith, who's our executive producer, Casey Schaff, our editor, and Amelia Morrell, our production assistant, uh, her uh, helper assistant, uh, canine uh, production assistant, Hudson, was uh, in the region. And I hope that the picture that was shared with us, we can put in the show notes. I think we can do that. I don't know. I'm hoping we can. It would be good to see Hudson connected directly to the Paul Hub podcast. Well, we'll have to get his Paul permission. Uh, it's Paw Mission. Oh, I'm not going anywhere near that. Uh, but I will point out that the Roper Center does provide us a lot of great information, uh, which we look at over time and seeing like convention bounces and are they happening or is this no longer a thing and all, all of those kind of good things. Um, so the, uh, that is, and I should add one final comment that, and uh, Mary's gonna like, you know, look at me with the meanness being part of they just mute you Lee. being part of the poll selection uh being part of the committee criteria does not require us to do anything differently than we normally would do in our polls the commission doesn't require that, that, right. that but if you if you do have any questions or comments we would love to hear from you uh, please reach out uh we you know we ask a, a lot of questions some of them kind of silly um hopefully not too silly um we we always think that questions are good so reach out to us uh, we're at maris poll uh, or maris poll on um, you know pretty much any place uh you can uh, you can communicate on social media uh you know we always like to plug uh, our maris poll academy uh, we have a bunch of students and interns that are actually going through this as uh, as we speak um and so you may see some changes in that as well as we as we get uh, their feedback uh, and finally please consider uh leaving leaving a review we prefer positive ones because that's how uh people can find us 
uh, but you know, any, any opinion is uh, definitely worthwhile. And uh, while you're at it, please go ahead and subscribe. So stay safe and uh, we'll see you next time.